We are uh, talking about today a character named Barnabas, and I want to introduce this with this slide, which made a lot more sense when I prepared the sermon for four weeks ago, but this, it still works. In New York City, every year in December, they set up this wall. If you look right here, it says the wishing wall right there. Every day, about 3,000 people come in the month of December, and they leave these little stick-it notes uh, about things they, they're wishing for for the next year. And so this year's uh, dispensation of that had, the, the three big ones are always, you know, they either want love, uh, health, or money. Uh, those are the three big ones every year. And so lots of people will put love, health, or money. That's kind of that's the thing. Well, uh, I was sort of thinking through and praying through, what do I want 2022 to be for, for me and maybe for us? And, and, and I, I really want us, and we're going to kind of go back to a series called Uncommon, but I want us to talk about a guy today named Barnabas who was this incredible encourager. I think we all need encouragement in life. I mean, who doesn't want to be around somebody that encourages them? And some of you are that for me. Um, there are people in my life that are just real encouragers. I've got a, a pastor friend of mine. He was my pastor uh, while I, I worked under his uh, leadership. And, and he has always been, from the first moment I worked for him up until now, he's still an encourager to me. He retired this year, this last year, and, and just has always been an encouragement to me. And I, I enjoy talking to him, and I enjoy calling him, and, and so... There are people like that in your life, and, and I think <laughs> I would like to be a person like that. So I got to thinking about, okay, well, there's probably some famous Barnabases out there, or Barneys, and, and so I came up with these two. Uh, they're kind of famous. Barney Rubble, I mean, he was, uh, well, who was Fred Flintstone's sidekick, right? And then Barney Fife, that's Andy Griffith's sidekick. And it's really interesting to me that when Barneys are sidekicks, they seem to be great, and when they take the lead, they're horrible. So uh, um, what we need to remember is, you know, you, the Barney needs to be sort of a, a helper, a supporter, because those guys are, are better. And, and uh, I, I, if you've noticed, well, here's, let me show you this slide. There are people that bring you up. Elevator people, I guess, can bring you down, too. I, that really, I didn't think that through. Uh, 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 let's, let's, just, let's just go with elevators are going to take you up, okay? There are elevator people and there are basement people. Some people take you up and some people take you down. Uh, for example, I'll give you a down one. I had a birthday, you know, in November, and I got this card, and the card said this. And it was just really not very nice. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, the card said... Um, I wish every day was your birthday. I thought, that's very nice. Then, then they said, because then you'd look your age. I uh, see, that's not very nice. So there, there are people that bring you up. There are people that bring you down. For me, one of my bringer-uppers, my elevator people, is my wife. She's just one of those people that always brings me up. And, and so we need people like that in our lives, folks that help us, um, that are encouraging, that kind of thing. So today we're going to be in the book of Acts it's kind of, uh, it's the fifth book of the New Testament, and so if you want to find your way there, that's where we find Barnabas. We don't really get introduced to him until about the third chapter, but the Bible often talks about how we are to do this, encourage one another and build each other up. And we live in a very um, cynical world. A lot of criticism doesn't take, <laughs> takes no effort to find something critical. 
Uh, we have movie critics. We have uh, political critics. Oh, my word. We have political critics everywhere. Uh, everything is critical, and it seems like social media is really critical. And I could say, I could, I could get on, if I had enough following, and I don't have enough following, but if I had enough following, I could put on Facebook or I could put on uh, Twitter, um, <coughs> excuse me, I could put um, God is good, and there would be somebody that criticizes that. Because it's just, there's just, every, critics are everywhere. And because of the anonymity of social media, I'm not telling you to your face, I'm telling you, and I never have to see you. Um, I, I put something on Twitter one time, and it was like I got responses. I don't have much of a following, and I was kind of shocked. And and it was you know somebody I'll never meet, I don't think, who was very critical. Just people. Just there are a lot of critical people. There are a whole lot more basement people than elevator people. That's the point. And so when this verse says encourage one another, the word encourage is the Greek word parakaleo, and it means not just. Um, it, it does mean to encourage, but it means more than that. It means to warn, to console, to instruct. We live in a world and we live in a society that basically says, if I'm not telling you you're doing, what you're doing is okay, then I don't love you. Well, what if what you're doing isn't okay? I mean, if you are uh, you're, have an addiction to porn or if you have an addiction to drugs, then... The most encouraging thing for you would be for somebody to love you enough to say, that's really not healthy for you. And so sometimes being an encourager isn't always, you know, uh, unicorns and, 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 and fairy dust. Sometimes you have to tell people the truth, and that's okay. And Barnabas, what I love about him was he was a truth teller. He would tell you the truth. And so let's look at the traits of his life, and maybe it'll help us know how we can be um, like Barnabas. We can be elevator people, people raising folks up. The first thing that I noticed about him was that he was a giver. We're introduced to, to Barnabas in the third, to our fourth chapter of Acts. You all probably know the book of Acts is this history of the church, right? And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are uh, biographies of Jesus. And they talk about his life and and then Acts is the launching of the church. And you have two key figures in that. You have Peter in the first few chapters, and then you have Paul in the last few chapters. And, and, and so uh, Luke is the author of both the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. And in Acts, he talks about, hey, this is what the church, how it, how it grew, how it was established, uh, the persecution it went through, that kind of thing. And it's, this, um, it's also a biography, if you will, of the church. You have the first four books, the biography of Jesus. Now you have this biography of the church. And the fledgling church, is, uh, it struggles, it's tough, right? And, and then there's this moment where, where um, when you become a follower of Jesus in a culture that is uh, negatively inclined toward that, oftentimes you lose your job. Uh, you lose, uh, you know, I, there, there was no social safety net. So if you lost your job, you had no money. And, and so early Christianity was a lot about people sharing what they had. And this is Barnabas. And we sort of are introduced to Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. 
And we live in a different culture than that. Understand this. We live in a, a Christian society, if you will, or there are Christians around and we have social safety nets and that kind of thing. We have to put our mind in, okay, back then, to be a Christian was incredibly difficult. And, and oftentimes there was no means of support. And, and God's grace was so powerful at work in them that all that there, uh, all that there were no needy persons among them. For, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money for the sales from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And so there were folks who were more wealthy who then would help those who were less wealthy. And I love the part there where it says there were no needy persons among them because they took care of one another. And this was uh, living out what Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. So the early Christians were doing what Jesus said. They were, they were actually obedient to his teachings. Hey, you, you love one another. And as someone who loves another person, if I see them in distress or in need, then I try to find a way to give, to help. That's what encouragers do. Encouragers are givers. Let's see how it plays out for, for Barnabas. His real name was Joseph, by the way, uh, which I like. A Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Uh, he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's an interesting expression, he put it at the apostles' feet. That's what it said in the other text as well. Basically what, they, what they're saying is, okay, there are, there's leadership, and the money was brought to the leadership because oftentimes the leaders know where it needs to go. And, and so it's not like, I, I'm going to designate the money, go here or here. It's like, hey, you guys who are in charge, we trust you, and we're going to give you this money, and then you do with it what uh, you think is best. Now when it says that Barnabas, also named Joseph, uh, was a, um, uh, he was a, a Levite. <laughs> he was of the tribe of Levi. This is important because in Israel there are 12 tribes. Um, in Kentucky there might be like two tribes, everybody's related, but you know in, in Israel there are 12 tribes and, and Levi was one of the tribes and this was the tribe that um, that God selected to be um, in ministry, basically. And so these guys got to uh, lead worship and, and uh, were part of, uh, of the, the worship services uh, in the Jewish life. Now, Barnabas was a Levite, but because he was from Cyprus, where it says he, a Levite from Cyprus, he wasn't born in Israel. Cyprus isn't Israel. And so he was sort of a second-class Levite. He didn't get to do all the stuff the other Levites do because he wasn't, he wasn't completely Jewish. You know, he was Jewish and he was a Levite, yeah, yeah, but he was a, he was a, he was a foreigner who was also just happens to be Jewish. And because he wasn't born in Israel, then he didn't get to do all the things. Now, again, we live in a world where um, a lot of people uh, are offended by lots of different things. You know, we're, we're easily offended. And Barnabas could have been offended by the fact that he wasn't allowed to do certain things, even though he was really, by Jewish law, he should have been able to do anything the other Levites did. But the culture dictated that he couldn't do everything that everybody else could do. 
And yet Barnabas didn't allow a slight, I would call it a slight, he didn't allow any slight toward him to keep him from being all that God wanted him to be. Look, we, we can be annoyed and we can be aggravated and all that stuff, or we can just follow Christ. And, and it, Paul one time said, each of you shouldn't give what you have decided, should give what you've decided uh, to give in your hearts, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and God has called us to be cheerful givers. Uh, one time I was, <laughs> speaking of um, basement people and, and elevator people, one time I, I went to a nursing home and, and I was, you know, nursing, that's a, that's a hard gig, man. You're trying to preach at a nursing home and not everybody's paying attention and, uh, uh, for certain reasons, you know. And I remember I, I kind of I gave a little bit of a, a message and I included a couple jokes and they didn't really go very well. Tough crowd. And uh, after it was over with, there, I saw this little lady over here and I walked over to her and I said, I hope you get better. And she said, I hope you get better too. Uh, so uh, there are people like that, right? So um, Barnabas was this guy who saw a need and, and he saw, sees this need. And, and so when there are people who are going without... Barnabas decided that he was going to sell his stuff, his property, and he was going to give it to the apostles to distribute to all the people that had a need. And I want to take just a time out, if, if you don't mind, just for a second. I want to brag on our church and you. Um, this last year, 2021, was <laughs> quite, a, quite a year, right? You know, you had COVID and all the things going on. And, and our church... Um, we, you're encouraging and you are givers. This message is for you, just to remind you, and maybe to encourage you, how great it is how you give. I, I want, as your pastor, I want to affirm your giving. At the end of the year, we brought in more money. Um, you gave more money than we spent. Now, part of that, hopefully, is we try to be frugal and, and we try to be wise in how we spend money. And part of it is your generosity. You, you just gave us more than we needed. So at the end of the year, we have this opportunity to say, okay, well, why don't we look at some ministries that we affirm, and maybe we can give them some of the surplus that we have. And so this year, we had the opportunity to do that. That year in giving, we were able to give to these seven ministries that are local, that we um, have a connection with them, and every one of these, we were able to give a pretty substantive amount of money because you were so generous. And so Alabaster House, that's a place for women transitioning out of addiction. And Piedmont Women's Center, that's a, a great um, organization that helps women in crisis pregnancy. And the Greer Christian Learning Center, that uh, deals with uh, uh, high school kids and uh, teaching them uh, Christian values, even in a difficult world. Renewal Center, also about women uh, transitioning out of addiction. Um, Greer Community Ministries, our friend uh, Donnie Kaufman is, is uh, in charge of that, and they, they do Meals on Wheels, and they have a food closet, and they, a food pantry, and a, and a, cl uh, a clothing closet, and they, they serve so many people, and it's great that we get to help them. Safe Harbor is a, a place for um, domestic violence uh, victims to go to and kind of get away from difficult times. Taylor's Free Medical Clinic is an opportunity for us to give to our community in a way that they help folks who um, uh, can't afford 
uh, medical care and doctors volunteer their time but they're also uh, there are uh, certain things you have to you know you have to give people and so they have a need and we were able because of your generosity as a church to give to seven local ministries uh, and and listen there there are probably 700 local ministries that would be worthy uh, you we can't give to everything so you you give to some the way you wish you could give to all and i just i wanted to affirm you in that thank you so much you know, giving is more than just financial, though. And, and I appreciate the financial piece. That's great. And you should be a giver financially. But words of encouragement also are really important for people. And helping folks, like Barnabas saw a need, and it just so happened they had a financial need. That's the way he, he helped them. But making people feel welcome at church, that is a gift that you're giving that is generous. So when people come in, if you are talking to someone you know and you don't know them... And you, they might be new. Well, then you, you, you get off of this conversation to go to that conversation because we want folks to feel welcomed and wanted at our, our church. And, and to, to give your attention to people you haven't seen for a while. Maybe you contact them and say, hey, I haven't seen you. So Barnabas people, elevator people who take you up are folks who look for opportunities to give. The, the second one is this. They're risk-takers. This really interesting part of this story uh, starts to play out in Acts chapter 9. There's a guy named Paul. At the time, his name is Saul. And Saul is, um, he's a bad dude. He doesn't like Christianity. He's a Jew. He is a zealous Jew. And he starts to persecute the Christians. Persecuting them to the point of death. He is a religious terrorist. And Paul is going to Damascus to round up some Christians so that he might persecute them. And on the road to Damascus, while he's traveling, he encounters the resurrected Jesus. It's just really this interesting story. And he's blinded and he's knocked to the ground. And he is converted miraculously in this one moment's time. And Saul the persecutor becomes Saul the guy who wants to be part of the church. <laughs> but the church is scared of him. Well, you can, this makes sense, right? I mean, it just, it's logical. He used to persecute us. Well, maybe he's, maybe he's a mole, right? He's going to get into our organization and, and he's going to muck up the works and, and he's going to uh, get in here and see who the leaders are so he can persecute us even uh, to a greater degree. And so everybody's scared of him. They're just all scared of him. And, and when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. They, they were scared out of their minds. And it's completely logical. I mean, God gives us an intellect, and he gives us a logic. And if the guy uh, is persecuting you, you don't let him in the house, right? If a guy, the axe murderer next door, you don't open the door to. And that's kind of, it's like we're scared of him. They were afraid. But guess who wasn't afraid? Look at this next verse. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Very next verse. We don't exactly know, because it doesn't say, 
Did, did they say, hey, <laughs> Barnabas, come here, buddy. Uh, we've got a job for you. Do we have a job for you, bud? Uh, there's a guy named Saul. You may have heard of him. It's like, yeah, he, he kills people. Yeah, that guy. Uh, we need you to go investigate and see what he's saying. And then if it's okay, uh, if you give him the okay, then we'll give him the okay. We don't know exactly how it went down, but Barnabas went to see Paul, Saul at the time. And he says to him, you know, give me your story. And, and Barnabas takes Paul and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that they, the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And it was all because somebody was willing to take a risk. And that somebody was Barnabas. Sometimes, here's what you have to love about elevator people. Elevator people don't let your yesterday define, they don't let your yesterday define your today or your tomorrow. Your yesterday is yesterday. It's what happened before. It's not what's going to happen today and it's not going to, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to dictate what happens tomorrow. And Barnabas didn't think about what he had done. He th- he's thinking about what he's doing. Elevator people see the best in others. And the church begins to grow. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So that's, that's uh, Israel. Um, enjoy a time of peace. And it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And it grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And you would think... This is, this is almost, uh, and they lived happily ever after. That's this verse. <laughs> Except, then there's persecution. There's peace. Life is seasonal. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's, there's, there's like the seasonality to life. And you have rough seasons and you have good seasons. And many of us have gone through some rough seasons this last year. Um, we in our church have had people who lost loved ones. We've had, uh, you know, job loss. We've had uh, sickness. Uh, there, there's some tough things in in our lives, and sometimes we're in a season of of bliss, and sometimes you're in a season uh, of of drought. Just kind of how it works. And so the church is doing great here, and then the next thing you know, they're persecuted, and they begin to flee. Because if you're persecuted, you don't stay where there's persecution. Many of them fled. And it ended up being okay. Some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, that's a place, began preaching to the Gentiles. Okay. So up until this point, the, the movement was really amongst the Jews. But now they go and they start preaching about Jesus to the Gentiles. And the power of the Lord was upon them. And a large number of the Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And this was the turning point of history. The reason you and I are followers of Jesus is because there was persecution and the Jews went to Gentile territories and started telling Gentiles like us about Jesus. You and I just simply do not know what God is doing even in difficult times. We just don't know. Um, We think our world is over our life is ended. You know, this bad tragedy has happened. And you never know what it's a stepping stone to. 
The church literally was persecuted. They were rounded up. They were executed. And those who got away began to preach the good news to other people. And that's why you and I are here. Bad things aren't always as bad as they seem. And when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Because this spooked them. You mean the Gentiles are becoming Christians? Like, ah, we don't know about that. We'll send Barnabas. Because Barnabas was a guy who had something called discernment. He had something called discernment. And when he arrived, he saw this proof of God's favor, and he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. And he saw what had happened, and he was encouraged. (laughs) And then it says, he encouraged, because that's who he was. That's who he was. Last February, last year, there was a a young woman who lived in uh, Bethpage, New Jersey, and she received this letter in the mail. Take your Christmas lights down, it's Valentine's Day. And it crushed her. Because the reason she had left her Christmas lights up was her dad had died and he's the one who had to put them up. And it reminded her of him. And he's the one who had put them on the house and decorated the tree. And so she just couldn't bear to take them down. And yet this anonymous letter comes in the mail. And you can imagine, her name is Sarah uh, Pascucci. And and it just kind of broke her heart. And it reminds us, we don't know everything. Sometimes when we're critical, maybe I should say oftentimes when we're critical, we don't know everything. Like, maybe they're that way for a reason. Maybe something really tragic is happening in their lives and, or has happened in their lives. And we just don't know. And I think that's why the Scripture constantly says to us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Do you see that it says, but only? Don't let unwholesome talk, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is our mantra. This is... What we're called to do. We're to build each other up. And sometimes the, the, the best way to build somebody up is to not say anything. Now sometimes you need to encourage people. And yes, there might be times in your life where there's somebody in your life who needs to be encouraged to do something different. But not always. I heard about a lady and she was on Facebook Marketplace. Her husband was having breakfast and they were at the kitchen table and She kind of giggled and she said, hey, there's an ad in here. There's a guy willing to trade his wife for season tickets. And he didn't even look up. He's like eating his eggs, you know. It's like, so she she said, you wouldn't trade me for season tickets, would you? And he said, well, of course not. Season's half over. Uh, So uh, you have to be careful what you say. Look what it says in Acts 11. 
when he arrived, when, when Barnabas arrived and saw their, uh, this proof of God's favor, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was the guy who was always looking for the, uh, the positive. Can you imagine a coach? <laughs> His team is performing horribly. And they come to the huddle, or they come to the, you know, they have a timeout, and they come over, and, and he says, now boys, uh, you're not tackling worth anything, but, uh, you know, uh, um, that's okay, they're, they're better than us. You know, uh, a coach is there to give you encouragement, to do your best, to try hard. And, and so Barnabas, he encouraged the believers to stay true, because it's tough. Being a Christian in the world is a difficult time, difficult task. So, encouragers, they are givers, and they have discernment. They, they know when to lift up and, and when to push. It's important. Sometimes people just need you know, a hand up. They need the encouragement. And sometimes they need to be encouraged to do more or better. Both are important. So you have to have discernment. Um, not... <laughs> um, What's that old expression? Uh, if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Uh, you know, not, not every problem is a nail. Sometimes, you know, there's a different kind of problem and, and you have to do something else in the situation. And, and then there's a kind of a third thing. Elevator people, they, they don't particularly care who gets the credit. It says, look at this. It's set, this sets up the next verse. Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and a large number of people were brought to the Lord. Now, one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other, unless then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to Saul. Let me set this up for you. Barnabas is sort of in charge of teaching the Gentiles. Okay, so the Jews, they have the Old Testament, they have the Torah, they know the law. Gentiles don't have any of that, right? They have none of this. So, if you are the leader of the Gentiles, you have to teach them some of the Old Testament because it's really important. The Ten Commandments, so we're going to start talking about those in a couple of weeks. The Ten Commandments are still applicable, Jew or Gentile. It's really applicable. So uh, to understand Jesus, you kind of have to a little bit, at least understand a little bit of the Old Testament. So here you have Barnabas, and, and he's trying to teach the Gentiles who don't know all these things uh, about these things. And then he decides, okay, uh, I'm, I'm teaching these folks. I don't know how effective I'm being. And, and he went to Tro, uh, Tarsus and he finds Saul. And when he finds him, he brought him back to Antioch. Now, understand something. Saul is a biblical, is an Old Testament scholar. He, he is brilliant in the Old Testament. It's likely that he would have memorized much, if not all of it. I can't remember my phone number. And uh, uh, this guy has you know, all of it memorized. It's certainly the Pentateuch, the first five books. He would have certainly had that memorized. And so Barnabas is teaching and he's like, man, I, I'm not, I don't know how, I, I'm not doing very good. Hey, I'll go get Saul because he knows this stuff really great. And both of them stayed there with, uh, with the church for a full year, teaching great numbers of people. And it was there at Antioch the believers began to be called Christians. Barnabas needed help, and the first guy he thought of was the smartest guy he knew in the Old Testament. 
And that's when his name changes. Paul goes from Saul, uh, he goes from Saul to Paul. And that kind of stuff happens. Um, see, <laughs> Saul is sort of his Jewish name. Paul is his Greek name. And so he starts, he becomes the, the minister to the Gentiles, so he sort of changes his name. My name is Joseph, but I, if I went to a Hispanic culture, maybe I would change my name to Jose. It's kind of the same thing. You've got Saul becoming Paul, Joseph becoming Jose. It makes sense. He's dealing mostly with Gentiles now, so he takes his Gentile name, his Greek name. And speaking of names, this is really interesting to me. If you read Scripture, the guy whose name comes first is the guy who's the leader. Let me show you something. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul, who's the leader there? Who? Barnabas, right. Uh, they sent their gifts to the elders by who? Barnabas and Saul, who's the leader? Barnabas, right. Uh, Acts 13, uh, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who's the leader? Barnabas. That's Acts 13.2. Acts 13.42, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving, who's the leader? Paul. When we showed that goofy picture of, you know, Barney Fife and Barney Rubble, and I said, you know, Barneys are better uh, as uh, sidekicks. Barnabas was better as a sidekick. This Barney was too. He saw in <laughs> Paul this ability that he didn't have. And, and he let him lead. There is a gift to being willing to be second fiddle. One last thing. Elevator people are fiercely loyal. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John Mark left them to return to Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas were on this mission trip, and they took this young man named John Mark, and they get there, and it's tough, sledding, it's difficult, really hard. And John Mark has all he can take, and he's scared, or he's a mama's boy, or who knows, but he goes home. He deserts the mission. This is Acts 13. In Acts 15, Barnabas and Paul, they decide they're going to go on another mission trip, Right? And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them. We just saw that. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Like the Beatles. <laughs> uh, they started uh, having solo albums, you know. Who, who in your life... Is that fiercely loyal to you? I mean, you, Barnabas and Paul had been through <laughs> hell and back. I mean, they're establishing churches in places there are no churches, and nobody's ever even heard of Jesus. And they're being persecuted, and there was one time Paul got stoned nearly to death and drug out of the city, and Barnabas was right there with him. And I mean, these are guys who go and they do things, they, they have been through the fire together. And Barnabas, he sees this young man who made a mistake. And he says to himself, that should not eliminate him 
for ministry. We have to have people in our lives He'll stick up for us. He'll be fiercely loyal. What's really interesting, at the end of Paul's life, it appears that he and John Mark have uh, made amends. And Paul says to Timothy, Hey, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is helpful to me. And I wonder, doesn't say it in Scripture, but I suspect sometime down the line, Paul and John Mark see one another again, and John Mark has, because of Barnabas' influence, has made something of himself. And I wonder if Paul, at least in my mind's eye, I I see him as being the guy who apologizes. Dude, I'm sorry. Barnabas was right, and I was wrong. And I'm glad he gave you a second chance. Remember I told you about that lady who got the letter? Well, she went to Facebook. Her name was Sarah. She went to Facebook and she explained, hey, the reason our Christmas lights are up is because my dad put them up and I just don't have the heart to take them down. He passed away in January and, or December, and I just can't, I can't take them down. It just hurts my spirit. And neighbors rallied around that family. And it says that they would send her cards or stop by and leave her food. Because that, that must have been Baptist, although it's New Jersey, who knows. Uh, and some of them started putting their lights back on their house. We're called to be encouragers. Encourage each other every day. Every day. We're called to this. So as you've heard the message today, have you been thinking, okay, this is, this is how I can make application of being an encourager to my own life? I hope so. And we're going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask God to fill your spirit and your heart with how can we be an encouragement to folks out here and to one another this year, like never before. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look in your word and to examine it carefully and to see that we are called to be encouragers. Help us to do it like never before this coming year, both with each other and with those outside. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.